everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker and here with my co-host Aaron Oliphant. I, Kayla, am a professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon Coaching and Mental Performance Coaching. Aaron is an elite amateur age group, er, elite amateur age grouper triathlete, and and a coach as well at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon Coaching and Mental Performance Coaching. We come to you each week with to talk triathlon, life, answer your questions race recaps, kind of everything we in between. Uh, We are kind of one of those where we like to just, sometimes we just ramble. And as this, as you can hear from this introduction, sometimes we just like to ramble. Um, On top of our weekly uh, question answering, we are now providing about twice a month guest podcast listeners. So if you want to go take a look at our very first one that happened about a week ago was with Fiona Moriarty, a professional triathlete getting ready for her first world championships. And it was a really great conversation when we talked a lot on betting on yourself and what that looks like for her and how it has really kind of changed her life. So that's it was a really great episode, and we just want to thank everybody that so far has shared the episodes on social media this past week. There's been a lot of people that have been out there sharing it, and we just want to say thank you so much. We appreciate it because it helps to get this podcast seen and heard, and that's the best way that you can support us right now. So before we kind of dive into all of our questions, we're just going to do a little touch-up here on how the week's been going. Erin, how's everything going? It's going okay. Um... Work has been pretty chill this week, which is always nice. nice. Training-wise, bonked really bad on Saturday after after forgetting 800 calories and 200 grams of carbs in that the car. That is a lot. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And I tried to just get a Gatorade at a gas station to replace it, and that did not do it. Um, so I got through two-ish hours and then just did not have much left was supposed to do a brick started it it wasn't happening uh walked home but then really just focused and that was after getting two hours of sleep too which is probably why I forgot my nutrition in the car yeah I think I was it's the two hours of sleep I was in bed at nine I agreed to ride with people at 3 45 a.m and just I think I got anxious about having to wake up and therefore I did not sleep. Anyway, <laughs> I got home from bonking and just really focused on eating enough and trying to make up all those calories I didn't have during the ride and ended up having a really good run on Saturday or on Sunday. So uh, training's going better than it's been going. So I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Your run, your run was really... It was really consistent, and I think you managed like we man you managed the heat really well. You managed your energy really well. You focused on your RPE, and like you said, you saw some speed at the end that we hadn't seen in a while, um, which is really exciting. Especially for you know we're coming down to the last little bit of training here for Kona, and it's yeah starting to come together for you. Yeah, so I'll take it. How are you, Kayla? Doing good. It's race week. Um, it's I'm excited, getting excited for it. I head out on. Thursday, packed a single thing. I've been solo parenting since Friday. So Brandon headed out on Friday morning-ish. And so I've been solo parenting kind of through the weekend and then all through when I leave on Thursday. So that always makes things just a little more chaotic. I mean, the kids are in school Monday through Friday, uh, but it, it, you know, just kind of cuts things a little bit shorter when you're doing it on your own, um, which not a big deal. It's just part of the life. So I haven't done as much training as maybe you'd like to the week leading up to a race, but hey, it's what it is. It's not a big deal. We're, we're working through it. I've had some really good training this week, which is nice. Uh, body kind of feels like maybe it's coming around, which also is exciting. Um, I learned a lot actually about kind of how my system functions and maybe why I have been feeling the way that I've been feeling all year. So I did... So I do. I did my my inside tracker blood test, and then I also did a DNA testing, where they test a bunch of genes that you you know have, and really the idea being to show kind of how your body actually utilizes the 
the, the pieces that we put into it, um, for lack of a better term, um, with, with this, this nutrition company. And we started going over a lot of the results. And then we also were comparing that to my inside tracker blood tests. And one of the first things that she said to me in, in comparing, taking a look at the two was she goes, no wonder you're feeling the way that you're feeling this year. You basically <laughs> like, you I'm assuming you felt like crap all year. And I said, well, yeah, I really have. I have not felt, I felt something like something's been really off. And it, a lot of it is because of how my body actually utilizes vitamins, specifically B vitamins and folate, which then are, you know, very related to how, um, if your body doesn't, especially if your body doesn't handle folate very well, and then the, these B vitamins very well, then it's not actually going to absorb iron and ferritin or iron very well through ferritin. And I have been known to have really low ferritin levels. I mean, my ferritin levels are currently high, quote unquote, high, and they are 30. That is high for me. Um, normal is like 80 to hundred and something. Um, but I basically, I have a mutation in one of my genes that means that I don't, I'm probably not even going to get this totally correct now. I just, we just, I just learned about it yesterday. It was really interesting. It's basically that my body can only convert 50% of the folate in that I either consume through food or any uh, uh, supplements and which is a B9, which then if I'm not absorbing that, then I'm also not absorbing any B6 or B12, which has directly related to fatigue, mood, energy, etc. Um, and on top of that, my inside tracker results showed that the my, all of my B vitamins were extremely low. My folate was extremely low. So not only am I not absorbing it, I just don't have any. So no wonder why. She's like, no wonder why you feel like garbage. Long story short, it was very interesting. Um, found out quite a few things about, you know, again, my body. Another piece that I thought was really kind of intriguing that makes sense to me is I found out that my body, the, the gene that they test, and and I don't remember the gene I'm not because I'm not looking at it, but there's a gene in there that tells you, like, not necessarily how your metabolism is, but how your body switches between, like, how it burns glycogen, so to speak, and my body very quickly switches to starvation mode. So oh. this gene that is that I have means that it switches very quickly to starvation mode. So she goes, she basically asked me the question, do you ever feel like if you don't eat every three to five hours, do you feel like you get to the point where you're so hangry that you, you can't focus, you're, you're cranky, you're angry, you, you're exhausted, you're lethargic? And I said, well, yeah, that's literally how I feel. And I have these, these, these huge dips in like, lethargy where I have no energy. And she says, yes, it's because your body very quickly does two things. It switches to starvation mode and then it starts burning all the glycogen out of your muscles because it doesn't know how to burn fat. Um, and on top of that, that means at night, she goes, at night, you are basically not recovering because you're not eating, right? For your quote unquote fasting throughout the night. And so it's your body is now basically eating itself at night. Interesting. So what are the solutions to these problems? Like what are you changing <sighs> moving forward to help? Yeah. Issues? Couple of pieces is that my, um, nutrient timing, my, like when I eat needs to be for, especially for racing and training too, needs to be very spot on. Um, like I, and it's probably one of the reasons why I keep bonking in an Ironman if I'm not consuming enough carbs, because over a full distance race, right, I'm going way past that three to four hours and on top of that, I'm burning stuff. So one, I have to be very conscious about what, when I'm eating and making sure that I'm, you know, fueling for the sessions, which we already know, but I have to be even more cautious about it. The other one is I have to start fueling before bed, which is something I struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, 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 we can't, I can't go from dinner until breakfast. I have to eat. I have to put something into my system. Um, so like a protein shake or, you know, yogurt and granola, toast and peanut butter. Like I have to eat something, which is something I'm really going to struggle with. Um, cause I'm just, it's just the idea of eating before bed. Like I, last night I was like, okay. Cause I learned this yesterday. I was like, 
all right, I got to focus on this. And oh, I had a really hard time. I ended up just kind of drinking some chocolate milk because I was like, I don't know what nothing like the idea of food right now sounds terrible. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how I function through this, but it was very enlightening. Um, it, it also, it's just, so basically I'm not recovering. So on top of like all these pieces, my body does not flush inflammation. So again, I have the, it, I have an increased risk of holding informa- inflammation on a rec- on a long-term basis, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it also is at the same time because it's showing that I can't recover. Um, yeah. So I have to be a lot more, I have some vitamins I need to start taking. Um, omega-3s, really important. Like I need to like double dose myself of omega-3s and I need to start taking B complex um, and being really on top of getting protein and carbohydrates for bed. So it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it all kind of like made sense once we really started talking about it. And I was like, wow, that, that literally describes kind of how my body has been functioning and what, and she goes, yeah, no, yeah, I'm a, you, there's no way you have felt good. Cause when you compare <laughs> your, you compare your blood results to these, this DNA testing, like you're not, you don't have no way you have any energy. Yeah. So can't make any changes fast enough, but we'll see. That was, <laughs> that was an time, interesting piece. But... Yeah. It takes yeah. time. Just one of those where you have to really make it like a lifestyle change now, which is, you know, that's part of what I have to do, right? I'm yeah. a professional triathlete. That's my job. Like I have to make this a priority. And so that's what we're going to do. But yeah. yeah. So that was what I learned yesterday. It was very, very interesting. Something I, I I I always thought it was kind of silly. I was like, well, this is kind of silly. Like, and honestly, it took me like getting my inside tracker results back and seeing how confusing they were and how low I had a lot of low stuff to be like, okay, I needed to talk with somebody, and I got recommended by Nick, the streamline yeah. guy. He recommended this 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 company to me, and um, so I said, well, I'm gonna try it, and it's been very enlightening. Very interesting. Good. So, Good. Well, we got quite a few questions. Should we dive into a few of them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. So um, let's see. We're going to start off with we've got a carbon shoe question. This is a good one because um, you just recently are starting to actually try carbon shoes. And it, yeah, it was from Sophia. Sophia is one of our longtime listeners. And uh, she asked, is it worth it for age groupers to wear carbon shoes? Um, And I think her question really has to do with the fact that, one, carbon shoes wear out faster. Because they do. You can only do so many races on them. Um, And so, you know, one, as you know, oftentimes as an age grouper, we are worried about maybe worried about money, all those pieces. Is it worth it? And for me, I think this is really a dependent piece i'm gonna use we're gonna use aaron as an example because i think we had this conversation last year like should i try these we both agreed that you weren't ready to try carbon shoes based off of a lot of these niggles that you'd been having and it wasn't until just recently that we kind of felt like you were maybe ready to actually start wearing them and this has a lot to do with the makeup of carbon shoes they're a lot more rigid because um and and they're less forgiving um if you're someone who does have niggles they they are they can they can cause those niggles to kind of you know come to, come to the forefront i think one of the things that often gets missed with these is that a lot of times people start wearing them all the time yeah you should not wear your carbon <laughs> shoes all the time um they do wear out faster and they're very expensive um so don't wear them all the time um, I only wear mine for racing every once in a while when I'm like in desperate to feel fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, or if I feel like I need to test to see how they feel beforehand, um, before a race or like right race week, I'll wear them to yeah. kind of get a feel for them. Um, but they are faster. So they are. you just, you just started testing them. How are you feeling wearing them? Well, 
My first test run in the Nikes was going to be on Saturday when I got five minutes into my run and couldn't do it anymore because I just didn't have any energy. Um, so I'm going to wear them for just like a mid-length run on Saturday or Sunday where there's some speed involved and the workout. So it will be a good test for me to see if they'll be good through the Ironman distance. Um, I think when it comes to whether you should get carbon shoes, it depends on what you're looking for and what matters most to you. Um, like if the speed gains from it really, really matter for you, then go for it. Um, at the same time though, if you're someone who loves being comfortable and you're going to race your fastest when you're comfortable, um, as I think that is the case for a good amount of people because it's easier to be happy. And I think happy, a happy racer is a fast racer. Um, so then maybe carbon shoes aren't the right thing for you, but if you're looking for that extra 1%, um, then it might be worth the investment. I mean, I look at swimming and in swimming, you buy these $450 tech suits that are maybe good for two or three meets a year. Um, and it's kind of that same idea with the carbon shoes. It's when you're looking for those marginal gains, um, and whether that's worth it for you and if the money's worth it to you. I'd agree with that very much. And I also think it's really important to look at too how who you are as a runner. Again, if you're someone who has really bad niggles or yeah. injury type pieces, um, it may not be the best solution for you because it could there are is an injury risk. Um and it's just because they are more rigid. Um, I know it's like for me, I have, I have issues. I haven't found a pair of carbon shoes that work well for me yet. They are faster. So I wear them, but I have burned through a lot. I spent a lot of money on carbon shoes this year, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of money because I have, I have a hard time finding ones that work well for, for my feet, um, that, cause they are very rigid. And so there are plenty of shoes out there, for example, you and I have both worn a lot of the Saucony endorphin lines. Yeah. Their endorphin line, not all of them have a carbon plate in them. Yeah, I or it has a very different one. And it, they are fast. The, I train in the speeds and it's a nylon plate. And I think yep. that's a great solution if you don't want to go full carbon, you want a cheaper shoe. Um, I still wear the second edition ones because I have issues with the third editions with Achilles blisters. Um, but the second ones you can get on Amazon for like 90 bucks. And I think it's a great shoe. I still think it's fast. It's not quite as fast as a carbon plate, but there's still a great rebound to them. And I think that's a great solution if you don't want to spend the money or you're worried about nickels, but still want to be fast. Yeah. So yeah, in reality, yeah, they're fast. They are faster. There is no question about it. Um, I, I can tell when I wear them. I know I'm faster when I wear them. Um, but I don't think it's necessary like the end-all be-all for an, an, an age grouper or an amateur. Or honestly, I will, you know, even professionals. Yes, you're, it's rare you're going to find a professional out there not wearing a carbon shoe. But at the end of the day, if it's something that really hurts your feet or your, your shins or your your knees or going to create stress fractures or reactions or niggles, you're not going to be faster if that's going to happen. So there's no point in, you know, getting to that space. So, um, even at Kona, my plan right now is to start in the carbon shoes as long as I, they go well on my test run on Sunday. Um, but have my endorphin speeds in my, uh, personal needs bag just in case. Yes. I'll take that comfort if I need it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cause you'll be faster. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sophia. That was a great question. Um, all right. We have a question on the difference between a quote unquote real recovery day versus a typical recovery day. And I think what they're getting at is like full recovery versus maybe active recovery. Cause there is a difference between the two. You know, they are used for different pieces and um, they can also look different, you know, for everyone. It's a, a real or full recovery day should be that recover. And I'm like one of the worst offenders of this. My toxic trait is if I have recovery days or it's race week, uh, I pack them with things that. <laughs> I maybe thought I don't normally have time for. 
Like I'll take so many meetings that I'm exhausted by the end of the day or appointments. It ends up not actually being a recovery day, a full recovery day because I'm so tired mentally and drained. So you definitely, a recovery day is exactly that. It needs to be a recovery day. You need to eat, hydrate, and rest to the extent that you can. Now, you can do fun things to, you know, maybe you take your kids to the pool or if you have children or you go for a walk with a friend or you, you know, coffee dates or, you know, but recover, recover, <laughs> recover, recover. Um, whereas active recovery days, those look a little bit different. Um, I had one yesterday. Yes, you did. So they can be short swims, um, easy bike, maybe a lift. Um, They're usually very about kind of flushing the system and creating activation. Um, Like for Aaron, I like to, whenever we need a recovery day for you, I like to have you do a short, a a swim that's going to flush the system or maybe we'll have in, in in a different season, not necessarily this race specific block where we want to prevent you from getting too many doms. Maybe we'll do a heavier lift day. I think active recovery days are important, but they are different from real recovery days. And I will say too, and I don't think this is thought about a lot. I would say a real recovery day is different than just a day off too. Um, Mm, Yes. Like I have, and taking a day off either Saturday or Sunday. I haven't figured out which day I'm using my flex day. And it's not ideal timing with Kona, but I'm going to the Super Motocross World Championships. And I want to just really enjoy that. And I'll probably have a few beers. And I wouldn't say that's a recovery day at all. That's just more of an yeah. off day that I have for kind of my mental health and my long-term enjoyment of the sport because I just need to be a 25-year-old sometimes. <laughs> and for me, that's... Mm-hmm going to be a day off but it's very different than if i had a recovery day like a purposeful day off take this time to recover where i would be sitting on the couch just catching up on nutrition really focus on eating the right things and no beer yeah i think that catching up (laughs) on the nutrition piece i think is also key because a lot of times when we get into this and i actually had this conversation with one of the where if you take your athletes who's racing chattanooga here coming up and about a week or so ago, she's like, well, do I need to be decreasing my calories as we go into taper or changing calories? And I like panicked and I was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> and same thing for a full recovery day or an off day that you do not restrict calories on those days in, in the full season. Like it is a time to replenish those glycogen stores. Yep. Like do not restrict your calories because it's an off day. Eat. Eat calories. Um, hydrate so that you're replenishing those glycogen stores for, you know, the next day or the day after. And same thing goes into, if we're talking, if we're talking about taper. Yeah, maybe your volume is decreasing, but you don't need to decrease your calories in that, especially if you're gearing up for a, a long distance race like an Ironman, where you need to almost come, like, you don't necessarily need to gain, I don't want to say that necessarily, but you you just, you need to have those stores fully loaded. So just because maybe your volume is going down does not necessarily mean that you need to decrease your calories. And I think that's an important piece about recovery that often gets missed because it's easy to get caught in this idea of like, well, I'm not really doing anything today. I shouldn't eat as much. Yeah. Then it's actually the opposite. Use it as a chance to, you know, because maybe it's, maybe your recovery, your full recovery day is on a Monday after, you know, especially for a lot of amateurs where, right, they, they, Saturdays and Sundays are their really heavy days where you're, cause, cause of the, you know, cause of work week. So maybe a Saturday and Sunday, like maybe you're, you're, you had a six hour ride and then you had a two and a half hour run. Like those are big days. You are not going to consume enough calories on those days. Yeah. So you should plan on Monday. You might yeah. think you're not doing a ton on Monday, but I promise you, you need to eat. Yes. hundred percent. So, um, I, that was a really good kind of rant on my end that you prompted. <laughs> it was an important one. Yes. Um, 
So yeah, real recovery day. Recover, name of the game. Active recovery day is about flushing the system and, you know, kind of keeping movement going. I also think we should note on that, st- that stance that every athlete needs a different amount of those. Whether, because sometimes you, you are someone that maybe you do need a day off every week, but maybe you're also someone, you know, who doesn't. So you kind of have to look yeah. at that too. Awesome. Okay. Um, this is a fun question. Um, and we're kind of got, we've got Kona women's Kona world championships coming up here. And Danielle was wondering what was our favorite place to eat in Kona? I think there's a lot of them. So good. So there's some standards that you need to go visit. <laughs> La- Lava Java. Everybody loves Lava Java. You have to go visit Lava Java. Um, did you ever get down? Did you ever get to the acai bowl place? I did. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's one of my favorites. It's it's right by Hugo's on the rocks. It's like a little I can't remember the name of ba- Basic, maybe. I don't know if that's right or not. Um those are the two main ones that a lot of people visit. If you like poke, there's a really good one down Alihi Drive. And then I think it's actually called the Poke Shack. I don't know if that's correct or not. Um, but it's down only he drive a little ways that a lot of people visit. Um, I have not because I'm not a huge Poke fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Poke. Uh, I'm trying to think. I stayed like an hour north of Kona, I feel like, last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't – I had my mom cook a lot for me the days leading up to the race. Yeah. And after the race is a really big blur for me, um, which I was pretty concussed. So that makes sense. So I'm not going to be very helpful on this question. <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong, though. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be the most help either because I'm not like a huge restauranty type person. Um, I like Lava Java. They have great breakfast food, um, great lunch, great dinner, great atmosphere. It is very busy. There is a little, there is a really great little um, uh, gelato spot right near Lava Java in that kind of area. Um, I don't know. There's just some, there's there's just great places all around, just great atmosphere. So uh, yeah, I don't know if you and I are the best advice people (laughs) for this. (laughs) After this Kona, I should be a lot better, but... There you go. She will have an answer for you when we recap Kona. <laughs> so sorry, Danielle. We're probably not the most the most help on that. Um, with the idea, okay, we're gonna segue into some food here still. So we're still talking talking food. Um, and if we have a favorite home cooked meal that we like to make, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually a good one because like we've talked a lot about how we're both kind of really having to refocus our attention on how much food we consume. Um, Great last week. I cooked Monday through Thursday. So heck yeah, that yeah. is good for you. <laughs> awesome. Um, me Favorite. I love, especially recently, just like flank steak. It's a cheaper steak, but still pretty good. Uh, marinated and honey teriyaki for at least four hours. Um, I'll throw that in the oven on broil for I think like six or seven minutes each side. Um, I'll do that. And then I'll do some roasted potatoes in the air fryer, just with some olive oil, rosemary, rosemary and garlic salt. Um, and then I like to pair that with some broccolini, some butter, yeah. garlic. That sounds good. We're so kind of, I'm kind of the same. Basically, all of our meals are we do something on the grill. I make a salad, and then we have like rice or sweet potato fries or something along those lines. Um, though last night I made this honey sriracha salmon bowl that was super easy and super delicious. I basically just marinated like chunks of salmon in honey. Light sodium soy sauce, sriracha, and lime, and a little bit of garlic. And then I put it on the 
cooked it up after marinating it for a little bit, and then just topped it with rice, cucumber, and avocado. And it was delicious. Nice. I wish I liked seafood. It'd be yeah. really nice. <laughs> I haven't hit or miss with seafood, but again, based off of these this DNA testing results that is showing that my body like needs omegas really, really badly in order to function, I am committing to eating more of it. <laughs> That's but good. I sometimes struggle with it because the smell is just bleh. It makes my house smell. It's a struggle. Um, I actually put that recipe up on Instagram, so um, I don't know. It's probably not still there, but it was really good, really easy. It took me 20 minutes to make. Nice. So, yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So we are going to um, move on to a fun question. And I thought this one was kind of interesting And as I started kind of thinking about it. It was, we had to choose one. A, love to win, hmm. or B, hate to lose. And why? What do you think? Oof, that's a tough no. one. Um, it's a, it's an interesting one. I feel like it de- it's so dependent mm-hmm. it kind of depends. on the goals of that day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, do that. I think, I don't know what, what, what's, what's your take? So Taylor? my take really is a combo one, you know, cause I do hate to lose. Um, but I think as I've grown and matured over the years, it, it would be more of along the lines that I just loved. I'd love to win because I have been able and like so take this year for for instance like in reality I have lost every race in the sense that I really believe that I am better than what I what I have been doing like that I'm, I'm better than 12th place in the professional field and so it's not necessarily that I've lost but in that sense and um I don't I, I don't like it but I don't hate it because I feel like I've grown with each race and I've learned with each race and it's prompted me to, you know, really look at myself and really look at how I do things and, you know, be more in this state of like curiosity than like hating what I'm doing um, or hating that I'm not doing well. And so with that stance, like, I think I would prefer to say love to win because it's something that. It creates excitement and joy and pride versus saying, I hate to lose, which makes me feel like I'm failing kind of thing. Because I don't think I've actually failed this year. It just hasn't been a good year. I think yeah. I've learned a lot and I've grown. Um, and so I, I don't want to put like a, oh, I hate to lose kind of thought process on this but rather a curiosity of how, what can I do to get to where I actually believe that I deserve to be at? I, I don't even know if I answered the question appropriately, but I, I, so from, you know, from that stance, I'd, I'd prefer to love to win and chase constantly, like be excited about chasing the concept of how can I get to where I need to be to win? Yeah. I guess the question, even the more I think about it, it's harder for me to answer because win or lose, I just hate to disappoint myself. So like, if I know I didn't give it all on my day, or I just know there's like a ton of things I could have done better. Like that's the worst feeling for me, even if I win. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess it hurts less if I win though. So I guess I love to win. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, I do not like losing either though, like getting sixth at Coeur d'Alene and missing the podium really sucked. Yeah. Um, even though I was pretty proud of my performance on the day. So I don't, I, I love to win and I hate to lose. Right. Like, can we say both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that's a good point where, you know, it kind of comes down to more along the lines of how you look at what you're doing, I think. And maybe being able to look at it more from a, an angle of um, pride. No, no, that's not even right. That's not where I'm going. Like, with uh, more along the lines of like having set all these goals 
with that are multi-layered and yeah. it allows you to, again, I'm going to go back, use the same word, but look at things from a curiosity standpoint versus a love or hate standpoint, which, you know, I've been in the space where I felt like I was either winning or losing and I didn't like actually feeling that way. It made me feel like I was always disappointing people and it wasn't, that wasn't empowering for me. And that made me feel like I was always doing something for other people and what I thought other people wanted me to do. Like even Kona 2017 for me felt that way. And it was kind of when I, after that race, when I'm even in the middle of the race, when I made the decision to stop feeling like I was doing this for other people or what other people thought of me. And it was, it wasn't win or lose. It was, well, what can I do to be the best version of myself right now? And then I began focusing on that angle that I stopped feeling like I was disappointing other people. I think I'm getting completely like tangential here and off topic of what the actual question was, but it's kind of like what it brought up for me is more along the lines of like, how can I look at this from a curiosity standpoint, what I'm doing from a curiosity standpoint versus a win or lose standpoint. Um, and then I get the most out of myself. It's interesting too, because I think if you had asked me this question like five years ago, um, mm-hmm. I would have, have said a different answer. Yeah. Um, like right off the bat, because I think more than anything, when I was younger, I just didn't celebrate other people's success as much as I do now. Like, I'm kind of at the point in my life where, like, I love seeing others succeed, too. Yeah. Um Whereas I don't think that was the case before. So I just hated to lose. I hated the fact that anyone would beat me or that anyone was better than me. Um, but now like if a person had a great race, like that's awesome. And I think I can still be like my own winner by achieving my like micro goals in that situation. Um, and I don't hate the losing as much because I can acknowledge that that person had a great day. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's a hard yeah. question. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I go back and forth. I think it's a great, it is a hard question, but it's also kind of a good one because it does prompt that question. Like, what is, what does success look like to you? And if you, I think that's an important thing to ask yourself um, because it then can lead you to, okay, well, do I need to make changes into what I think success looks like to me? Or how do I then actually achieve whatever it is that I'm, I'm trying to achieve? Like, even when I have clients or athletes write affirmations and part of an affirmation sometimes or, or statement is we want to include the success that we're looking for. And we have to ask ourselves, what does that success look like for me? Does it look like pride? Does it look like a monetary value? Does it look like a, a, an, an intrinsic value and, and, you know, or whatever it looks like for you? Um, and so it does, it kind of forces you to ask that question for yourself. Like, what does it look like for me? Um, so. So it's a very thought-provoking question. So um, I don't know. If you guys are listening, we'd love to know what you have thoughts on it. Let us know. Um, You know, do you love to win or hate to lose? Why? What does it do for you? So um, awesome. Okay. Um, We are going to switch directions again back to uh, nutrition-related concept, I guess. (laughs) Um, is we had a question on um, because um, we've talked a lot about carbohydrate intake in training and racing, and this question um, was on Instagram, and it was, "What are the low end of carbs per hour, and how to slowly increase your carb intake?" So one thing before we even get into this, Aaron and I are not nutritionists; we're not experts on this. <laughs> we more merely, again, with everything that we do in this podcast, we are sharing our our journeys, our stories, our learning as coaches and athletes over the years. Um, and so, same goes for this. But I think you and I are both very much in the same camp. Carbohydrates equal energy. Mm-hmm. You got to consume them. And science is now showing that we do need to consume, you know, more than we even thought. Um, you know, even a couple of years ago, it was, you know, 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 grams of carbs per hour. Um, I now think that 80 grams per hour is probably your low end that you should be consuming. Um, I don't know. In, in, in a, and I want to specify, in a 
situation in which you are training for kind of optimal performance and or long style endurance type events. Now, because if you're out there, if you're someone who listens to this and you're very recreational and you're just going, you like to go out for, you know, three, three hour rides that are just, you know, cruises, that's a different concept. And you may not need 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you are out there trying to perform to the best of your ability in something like a 70.3 or a, a, a full distance or a really long gravel bike ride, um, you need carbohydrates um, and you need to train yourself to be able to absorb them. Um, we have, we've, you've increased yours kind of over this time frame. Um, did you, did you find that there was some, a way that helped you to slowly increase, kind of increase that carbohydrate intake? Cause even a year ago, you weren't taking in as many, we had to kind of get you to do that. Yeah. I think like during my first Ironman, I was about 65 to 70 grams of carbs per hour on the bike. Um, and then maybe 50, 40 on the run. Um, And I think you just start slowly increasing it um, until your body gets used to it and just keep increasing it over time until you get to a point where you feel like you're not bonking, that you have steady energy the whole time. Um, I think it's going to be different on the person, what intensity you race at. I mean, like you can say, oh, I'm going 100% intensity all the time. But for an Ironman, I think that red line is different for each individual and how much you've raced it. Um, So that carb intake is going to have to be a bit different. I think it depends on your body's ability to use fat as energy. So like as Kayla was saying, Kayla's body doesn't do that at all. I actually think mine does it pretty well. So it just kind of depends on the individual. But I'd say, yeah, along Kayla's lines, I wouldn't try and go less than 75 grams of carbs per hour on the bike. um, On the run. In reality, as I found out with Tremblant, I, I mean, I did 140 grams of carbs per hour for the first two hours. And it's the only bike, the first bike, first Ironman bike since 2018 that I haven't bonked. Because my, my body does not, doesn't, you know, like you said, and with this, yeah, it doesn't. So I need more. Like I take in a lot more than you. Yeah. And technically... I'm a smaller human, right? I'm not as tall as yeah, you. you are. We're a different weight. In reality, like if we went by the, that guideline, I should have to take in less than you. But I actually have to take in more because my body does not burn fat. Yeah. So you have to like look at those pieces. Um, well, in mindset wise, like I know I'm not the smallest triathlete by any means. I'm not big either, but I very much have a swimmer's body. And I think mentally on the bike too, though, I'm like, Hey, my body's got a little more fat than the average like <laughs> marathon or body does to burn. But it's true. Like my body does use fat, I think, pretty efficiently. I've never gotten that tested, but just from paying attention to how my body responds to different like nutrition stimuli, I think it does. And you kind of learn that as you go. Um and yeah, so I think what we're both saying here is practice it. We yeah. said it in other podcasts practice it. Try other pieces. Do not wait until the last bit of time frame. Do not wait until your six, first six hour ride necessarily. Like don't wait for race day to try these things. Yeah. And I will say, I get that nutrition is expensive. Um, like yes. I think one bottle of nutrition costs like $7 or something. So each ride would technically be 28 dollars of fuel um so if you're not wanting to do that every time just find a different source of calories during training too you definitely want to try at least once before race day um and you definitely want to hit your calories and carbs each ride but if you need to stop and eat a sandwich because that's just a more financially feasible option for a year of training i think that's okay Mm -hmm. too but you really don't want to get yourself in a deficit that's a no. little off topic, but um. no, but it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a smart, cause it is expensive. I 
besides the carbon shoes that I have bought this year, I think I spent the most money on nutrition. Like, by and far. I mean, the feed, I have literally probably kept them in business this year. (laughs) 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 Them and Amazon. Um, um, You know, you're putting a lot of time and energy into this. You want to optimize you, too. And carbohydrates equal energy. I will say it every time. Got to consume them. So, um, awesome. Okay, we have probably time for a couple more here. Um, this is a really great one. We've talked about this a little bit, um, but not not in a while. Um, and it was things to consider when making a race schedule slash calendar. And this is a good one because you and I now that right now that I'm now in the professional circuit. I look at it very differently than I did as an age grouper, but you're still in the amateur field, and so you look at it one way. Um, so I think this is a cool kind of one one to discuss. Um, yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of different for everybody. Depend. Number one, I think you have to ask yourself, like, what is my actual goal for what I'm trying to achieve for the year for racing? Is it just to have fun? Is there a bucket list race that I want to do? Do I want to qualify for something? Do I want to try something new? Like, do I want to try my first Ironman or my first 70.3? Do I? So you have to start there and ask yourself those questions. Um, And then you kind of build around that. Yeah. I think Um, the next step from there is just looking at your calendar here and what works with your life schedule. Like Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned it last week that my work schedule in June and July is crazy and it does not allow for much time for training. So a June, July, August, September Ironman does not make sense. Not in the cards for me. It just does not make sense from a health level, a like stress level, a preparation level. Like none of it would make sense for me. Um, so then I kind of look at the year, which races work really well around that. Um, so like an early season race for me. So I'm doing Ironman Texas next year because I know that will work well with my schedule. Um, and then I have some other races I'm looking at that I think will work well, but I know they don't sell out right away. So I'm kind of playing it by ear too and seeing how I feel throughout the year. If I want to race another Ironman right now, the idea of Doing some speed focus stuff and focusing on 70.3s after Texas sounds kind of fun, but also Ironman Florida sounds fun. So I don't know, but I'm just going to wait and see because my life kind of allows me to do that right now. Um, and I, I like to plan far ahead, so that's why I have that tentative plan, but things change and you can't necessarily get your money back once you sign up for a race. So You can't. <laughs> the the new... The new in the last like kind of since COVID when they introduced like that ninety, 90. day flex or whatever yeah. ninety flex that has made a huge difference because that that never used to be the case it was literally like you bought the race you did the race there was no questions about it um, um, now they have that option which is really a, is a really helpful option because it does allow you to transfer or move things around if things don't work out um, and so I definitely recommend like athlete I had one athlete that was like I think I want to do Oregon I'm not 100% sure next year I said you know what Oregon sells out we know you're going to race next year no matter what buy it now do it now that way we have it done it's on the schedule and you know what if it doesn't work out and it doesn't fit appropriately we know you want to race anyways we'll just transfer it later down the line so it's kind of something you can think about um you know, I think the other pieces that you have to look at too, and it's it's now you know for you and I, not especially well, you've been in Arizona for a while, but me now, especially like you don't have to think quite as hard about kind of the seasons of the year. But when I, when I lived in the Pacific Northwest, like it was always a quick a question like, do I want to train for a full Ironman, early season Ironman? Um, right? I have some athletes where you know that do live in the Pacific Northwest, and they've always been like, well, I kind of want to do you know Ironman. Texas, and it's like, well, you know what? That's fine. But you know what that looks like for you? A lot of indoor training, long trainer rides, because the weather in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, doesn't allow for you to get outside early. So you got to look at that too. Like, okay, if I want to do something like Texas, does my weather allow me to train for it appropriately? Does Mm -hmm. that fit for me? Does it not? Can I train for a full one on indoors? Do I want to? Um, so those are pieces that you kind of have to look at as well. Um, 
that that's one of the reasons I moved down to Arizona so that I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> um, so you, that's a question that you have to ask yourself too, when you're trying to decide on a race, um, yeah. is, you know, what does the, what will the training look like for me? And you know what? Shameless plug here, but Aaron and I can help you with that. That's part of what we do. I like coaches. planning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, you know, so that's what I'm kind of getting out there is too. If you, you, if you are uncertain, you know, message your coach if you have one. Um, I know I work with athletes on that. and We haven't mentioned it yet, but each course is different and there may be parts of courses you love or parts if you hate hills, there's probably courses you should avoid if you're just not going to enjoy that. Um, and that's something yeah. to take into consideration as well. Yeah. So race planning is fun. There's a lot of pieces that go into it. Sometimes, you know, one thing I do think at the end of the day, you should always ask yourself is, is this something that excites me? Yeah. Because that's then you're training for a long course triathlon. Honestly, triathlon in general. I, I should stop saying long course. Triathlon in general. Sprint, Olympic, 7.3, full distance Ironman. It is hard. So choose something that's exciting that you want to train for. That's going to make a huge difference at the end of the day. For sure. Um, you know? And I think that's, at the end of the day, I think that's the number one question you have to ask for. Like, is this a race that excites me? Because training's hard, you're going to lose motivation. We've talked about that in the past, and you have to be willing to stay dedicated to it. Can you stay dedicated to it? And when you are interested in doing something, that's that's going to make you know a big difference. Um, so I don't know. I it's different as a professional. We have a little bit more wiggle room, kind of, because we can wait four weeks out to sign up for a race. Um, which I actually need to do. I have some races I need to put my name in for. Um, and you know, there's some, there's some professionals that can make that decision. I can't, I don't, I don't quite know how they do it, but like <laughs> Paula, F- Paula Findlay decided she wanted to go to Augusta <laughs> a week out and um, kind of, I think it's cool because it's fun to race the toughest people out there, but I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that just means there's like now I'm gonna be one slot back. <laughs> um, you never know. You never know. Um but as professionals we have a little more wiggle room to kind of make those decisions, um, you know, to an extent because you know, you have to travel and stuff like that. But um yeah, because for us we we have to sign up about four weeks out um is when they close the registration. So we have a lot more we can make decisions a little bit more on the fly. Um, you know. So um, awesome. Okay. Um, let's see, we're about 54 minutes into this chat with everybody. So, let's do, um, let's do the top three bucket list races one. That I was, think that's a fun one to end on. Literally my next one was going to be the one I was pulling up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that's awesome. Okay. You go first. What are your oh. top three bucket lists? Um, I think Ironman New Zealand. Ooh, Yeah. There's an off-brand 70.3 in Lake Tahoe that I really want to do just because I love Lake Tahoe. Um, But it is like a June race, so it's going to be a little bit until I'm able to do that one. And then, ooh, I don't know, Ironman Switzerland, maybe? yeah, that's on there. That'd be a fun one. That one looks beautiful. Looks so pretty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Those are good ones. Yeah, I well, I crossed off one of my bucket lists by racing at Mont Tremblant this, nice. this uh, year. Um, so that was a bucket list one for me. I had always wanted to do that. Um, and so now for me, they really – I've kind of raced all the, like, bucket list ones for the most part in the United States. So I think I want to still keep Lake Placid kind of on there, but it's never been, like, a high-level bucket list one for me. Um, I would love to race in Europe. So Switzerland, uh, Frankfurt, Ironman Frankfurt is high on the list. Um, New Zealand, I honestly, I'd love to go to Worlds next year in New Zealand. Um, that would be really cool. 
Um, I've heard really great things about Iron Man Vittoria, which is in um, Spain. Okay. Um, every, uh, everybody that's ever raced it has just said it's just amazing. The course is beautiful. Um, just, you know, kind of one of those that maybe is a little bit, quote unquote, smaller to an extent, but just an amazing, amazing race. Um, so the other one that is definitely a bucket list for me is uh, Challenge Roth or Rote. Yeah. High I, level hard bucket for list that for not me. to be a bucket list race if you've been in the sport. Mm-hmm. So I would love, love to do that one in the next like year or so. Um, I don't know how to get into it as a professional. Um, you know, as an age grouper, I think you just have to sign up in the waiting period. But as a professional, I think you have to get invited. I don't know that for sure. Um, maybe one of those would have to reach out. If anybody knows, maybe let me know. That would be... <laughs> That would definitely be a very high level bucket list one. Um, and it became, honestly, became even more of a bucket list one for me after this kind of year after becoming a professional, like wanting to race as a professional at Challenge Roth. Okay. Just seems so cool. So amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of it. I just want to get over to Europe, but it's very challenging <laughs> to get over there when you have a family. <laughs> And yeah. even if you don't have a family, honestly. <laughs> no, yeah. kind of Ticton looks cool, too. That would be a more feasible one for me than Switzerland or New Zealand. Yes. So Everybody thinks that's that. a great one. Yeah. I wish they'd bring back uh, Iron Man Whistler, which I guess was Canada. I mean, uh, that I would be amazing. I would 100% with race Whistler. I wish they would bring yeah. back Iron Man Tahoe 70.3. I get that sometimes it's snowy. But I think they can pick a better time of the year and still do it, in my personal yeah. opinion. If you do it in, like, August, yeah, July, August. I love Lake Tahoe so much. So. Yeah. Well, they just brought back uh, 70.3 Louisville. Uh, oh, which that, was that Ironman. the announcement? I had no idea mm-hmm. what that picture was when they teased yeah. it yesterday. Which was a very, very popular race. Um, did the water give people diseases? Is that why they cut it originally? You know, I don't totally know why they cut it. They had it at a really terrible time frame where the weather was always horrible. Okay. Just horrible weather. But um, it was a very popular race. Okay. So be interesting to see kind of how the 70.3 fares. Um, kind of wish they were bringing back another full Ironman in the United States. Uh, but yeah, especially in like the May time frame, maybe that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yep, agree. I mean, I think it goes April, and then there's not another full Ironman in the U.S. until July. Until Placid. Yeah. Yeah? Into July. Yeah. Which is insane to me. Yep, it'll be interesting. So, awesome. Well, if anybody wants to, you know, support us in these bucket list races. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Semi-kidding. <laughs> semi. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for following along. Thanks for sending in your questions. Next week, we'll be back with a race recap from yours truly, from Augusta 70.3. If you are going to be in the area, please say hi. I will be out and about. I arrive on Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, I'll be out and about. Um, Please say hi if you see me out there. It'll be just me. So, um, yeah, give us a shout. Uh, if you're racing, have a great race this weekend. There's quite a few. We've got a few Where If You Take You athletes racing this weekend. Um, you've got Kim racing. Yep. Doing 70.3. Yep. Uh, no, just a Not local, local yep. Texas one. That's right. So Kim's racing. We've got three athletes racing Chattanooga this weekend. Um, and we've got an athlete racing out in Spain this weekend so yeah a lot of fun racing for the way if you take your team so if you see them out there give them a shout otherwise happy racing everybody happy training i love looking at people in the where your feet take you kits everyone looks so good in it i know i will say as you know i've been i started where if you take you officially as a business seven years ago about and that was kind of a piece that i always wanted was people that wanted 
three part like I wanted to create I wanted to create a team um that that people were felt like welcomed to and a part of and wanted to wear the kit wanted to wear where if you take you the the logo on it and to finally kind of be there for me like is just there's it means so much to me so it's like to see get these pictures and see people out there wearing where if you take you on their kit is just really heartwarming a lot of pride for me a lot of excitement um so thank you to everybody who's made this journey possible um you know past where if you take you athletes present uh you know all the supporters everybody that's been there for it and it it just means it means a lot to me as you know the owner of it and having Aaron on the team and um also all the athletes like I I just can't I I can't even like produce enough like eloquent words to describe how much it means to me so Thank you to everybody um, for all the support. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. See y'all.